Welcome to Coffee Talk with Shell, where there's always variety in life. I'm so excited to host this open mic night segment for y'all. Uh, coming up first is Antoinette. And again, you, did you say you're, you're from Baltimore? That's correct. Yes, ma'am. Awesome. And where did you move from again? Missouri. Missouri. Wow, that's a far move. I've been yeah. to Baltimore. <laughs> and I'm in Texas, of course. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry? No, Texas before as well. I moved there before as well. Oh, really? Wow. You've, you've, like, you've experienced a few different states. <laughs> Missouri, I drove through on my way from Texas to Iowa many years ago. Okay. And Baltimore, I have a friend that lives in D.C., so he drove me also to Baltimore, to Maryland, and wow. D.C., I loved it. Oh, I love the East Coast. Beautiful place. Mm -hmm. Especially in the fall. Mm -hmm. And how, how cold is it there tonight? Right now it's, it's 57 degrees. Yeah, 57 degrees. 57. That's not too oh, sorry, 48 degrees. 48. Okay, that's a little colder. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and what, uh, what are you performing tonight for open mic night? Like music, poetry, what is your thing? Um, tonight, actually, listening today, the next time, I'll definitely do something. Oh, okay. No problem. No worries. Okay. I'll go first if you want me to. Oh, that would be great. Okay. Okay, and I just had to get to my poem. Okay, Um, how much? How many minutes do we have? Oh, well, since it's just us right now, I guess I'm unlimited pretty much. <laughs> no, okay. Which is nice. <laughs> yeah, okay. we have others join. We may, you know, go here and there. But um, oh, if you don't mind, since you're on my podcast, would you mind uh, introducing yourself and where you're from before you begin your poem? Sure. My name is Cheyenne Jing, um, and I'm married to an Asian man, as you can see, <laughs> Jing. Um, and... Uh, I'm living in Manhattan. Um, I live in Inwood, and I have my family here, my me my husband and my sons. And um, <clears throat> bless you. That's about it. Well, that sounds lovely. Manhattan sounds really fun. I've never been to New York. I've always said if I go, I'll never come back. Cause I have, it's like Vegas. I don't sleep. Uh, if I go to Las Vegas for a week, I literally do not sleep the entire time. And even <laughs> now during the pandemic, I have trouble sleeping because yeah. I have so friends in other parts of the world now, knowing that they're awake, like in Australia or whatever, when I'm asleep, I'm like, I can't sleep. Cause it's like, everybody's awake somewhere in the world. And I <laughs> they're with them. And yeah. So New York, I, I can really, yeah, I think New York would be amazing. I definitely want to visit there during the holidays. Not now, of course, but maybe next time. Yeah. <laughs> ends hopefully soon or then later. And, uh, <laughs> and the poetry. Now, do you write poetry yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm, I have a poem about writing poetry, which explains why I'm so dark in my poetry. Um, there's a glimpse of hope in it, and I have more hope than my poetry is saying because I get the bad feelings about my world, not just me, but the world and everything on paper. And, um, so sometimes that's where I read people are like, Whoa, we need to levy it up a little. So, no, I agree. With you. <laughs> you know what I always say is creativity is the best therapy find your outlet like for me i have several as you can see like art poetry <laughs> music yeah. like, you know i crochet like even that to me is therapy creativity is wonderful therapy so good for you i totally mm -hmm. hear what you're saying 
So I can't wait to hear, hear your poetry. I'm going to read three, I think. Okay, go ahead. Okay, all right. Let me just, it's hard to get to them sometimes, but I have one ready right now. Okay, no worries. And you can't see my face because they're on my phone. Oh, okay, sure. Mm -hmm. Well, we can hear you. That's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this is called The Sexiest Human I've Ever Known. What is it like to be married to the sexiest man? And not only sexy, but loyalty. And not just loyal to my soul, but everlasting like a nesting bowl made of steel, like a West Indies attire always beating every hour. Keeping time in the hands I've loved from day one as he held me in his arms. Big Papa I called Daddy for many years and lost touch after Munich's tears. He brought me out for all to see, his special daughter, that was she. From birth until now, Big Papa made a vow that his son would love me for all of time and then now. My brother Junior, a stump of a tree with little squinty eyes like a raven's claw, brought out with makeup without a flaw, taking over Big Papa's job. Uh, wait because taking over Big Papa's job, because you know they killed Big Papa, put him in a trunk and drove him to the casket, put him in it and then gassed it. They tried to kill what God had made, but even then he was a masterpiece that made it past the grave. A monster now, a ghost with shadows, a look of fear like a lost bravado. And me and Junior, well, we didn't know what to say about our Jack Planter's father who was rolling over and over in the fair light of the black moon in a coffin made of glue so no one could get in and somebody couldn't escape. The vanishing known throughout history buried in a grave of mystery. Screaming after the drugs wore out and striking their lighter in their lapel wallet only to be surrounded on all metrics. Scream, Big Papa, boy, did he ever. By morning time, his voice was gone, and he found himself in a trajectory in the confines of his purgatory. He suddenly had hope. He suddenly knew. Wherever he was, whatever he'd done, was completely invisible to this merciful son. The son, having just watched Texas Chainsaw, got out his claws and freed Big Papa. Junior showed me Big Papa on his phone, and I know he had never felt so very all alone, looking like he had seen a demon or legion, pale as a ghost and wide eyes of incarceration. But Big Papa had a son and a daughter he loved, and as they did too, with kingdoms they come. He was to be cremated, burned alive, but Junior switched coffins when he had the pallbearers return and march Big Papa away from the destiny of a urinal, whoops, I mean date with an urn, and all those people planning this plot of faking his death because of the villainous people slandering his name, and taking him from decades to milling all fame, and putting on a mask that looked just like him, and scaring children by touching them, and saying he's Michael, and framing him. Jealousy is a useless piece of shit, it makes people kill, it makes people split. Some of us are given a destiny's child that we just can't stomach because of their inner soul bile. So out they go, but not without a threat to make me vanish just like Big Papa did. But I always have Mac Jr. in my side and beyond being sexy and the man I love, 
He's a child to be Papa's love. I can't remember my daddy, but my brother I do will forever remind me Big Papa loved me more than the world ever knew. Heather, no, he sang in his song, but I think it started with a K and ended with a W. Thank you, that's that piece. And now I shall go on. Under yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll what? That was wonderful. I can't oh, wait to hear the you. next one. Wow. And my favorite I, part was actually the very last line about the K and the W with the no. Wow. Thank wow. you. Very good. Thank you. Okay, I have another one. It's called, What is Poetry? What is poetry if not to lament about scary things continuously going on in our basement? What is poetry if not to process all those feelings of poison touches? What is poetry if not a relation between the writer and the sublime, between the sheets of the bad bed of betrayal, violation, and death? What use are words if not to describe what it felt like to be a baby raper's dream? A hell placed upon one, unlike any midnight summer. And a word to describe a tribal offbeat for a native child growing up in their native land with nothing to show but the prints on their bodies from the white one's hands. What is an essay about the promised land, promised to all except the native, the Latino, or the African? What is an essay about spring flowers, about leaves dying in the fall, and one summer where you had it all, good looking, even better sex, in a relationship with that man who used to be your ex? What is an essay, an empty poem, to dictate how to live and accept the unmerited pain, without putting down guilt, without putting down shame, without, here we go, without writing about discrimination, disdain, assimilating pain? What is a novel, if not to inform, Robert's road less traveled and all of its scorn? When I walk to my token hard speed, I feel heavy, so heavy on my feet, and it starts in my body and moves to my mind and leaves me begging revenge, but my God said it's mine. Let me deal with a billion losers in this world I made especially for you. For when I hit the mic, I scream about basements, demented touch, the insidious sublime, a dreamer with no midi summer, being ripped from my land, ripped from my culture, a ravaged child, a native warrior, with nowhere to stand. I sing for the glory of the sun and the dressed to the nines, pretty little rose. I sing for harvest. I sing for rain. I sing for the people on the Hitler trains. I sing for people all over my world doing the best they can, the best they could. I often pray for my enemies. I mostly pray for those with no empathy, for those who say, why is this chip so big? Why point out the sad when there's so much life to live? I say to the naysayers of my expressed reality that it's, if it's too sad, too broken that, I don't, that you don't want to see or picture a sweet baby being raped, you don't have to. You don't have to listen to me at all. It's not a fight for awards or haughty publications. It's my facts. It's my life. And putting it down, writing the bones all come together to form a skeleton. The sinews wrapping slowly, and then the heart, the chakra of love where all life starts. Down to your chest as Om, she wrote. Then down to the abdomen breathing in air, the fresh kind, the outside, the forest of rhyme, the reddest sea ever to part, the love of community for my sad child. 
donating gifts that will drive him to smile. So even though I speak and spit the anger of a broken clit, the pain inside my deepest wound meant for exit, not for a groom. And even being seen as non-compliant doesn't bother me because I'm here and happy to be. And I'll just read one more. Okay. Uh, I have to get, hold on, I'm all the way down. No worries. Lots okay. of thanks right. for your poetry. <laughs> oh, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, I love I love listening too, so I can't wait to listen. Okay, here we go. Okay. All right. Okay. This is from today. I wrote this today. Uh, yeah. Was it like what Right. Uh, right here. Uh, no. Okay. Ready? Uh, yes. Can you can you close the door for me? You want Papa? I don't want Papa. Oh, uh, well, my husband's in here. Wait one second. Okay. All right. Ready? I'll go. No worries. Poppy, Poppy is born in Asia. Poppies are born on Asia, planted by a seed of deal Asia. Spinal cords crawling out to burst red flowers to eat crow's snout. To make it easier to love your brother in the back of your parents' van to make another. Poppies help the aforementioned above. Easier to have sex to relate intimately on the earth. If used sparingly without a dangerous addiction, if used, if used sparingly without a dangerous addiction, I'm a goat without nipples, a mother as well whose milk has lost its flow, a face usurped by smoke and nightly blows, murder over and over and over. Andover, you never prepared me for this. No one could, no one could have because it feels like the abyss of the unimportant and amissed anuses of boys and girls everywhere, leaving publics astray. But no DNA able to address this madness, this insane drop off the earth of thousands of babies. The Chinese have a way to put unwanted fetuses back to life, serve them to the person that ended their light, their light, their life, from existence before conception and birth, I have eight children assigned to me, and now only one lives. He almost went to heaven, he says to me. In shock, I don't ask him what he means. But all that swims inside my head are those two boys they found dead. Their mother an apple once again, not wanting to eat but be eaten. But I'm not a core, like apples end up. I'm all plumped up once again. Native American women, when pregnant, become trees, while apples are present, becoming territorial of their home when people like that try to roam onto their husband, the father of them, while saying if he doesn't succumb to this temptation, she will kill me. And you need, hold on, my husband's there. Can you please leave, honey? I'm sorry. I can't concentrate when he's trying to talk to me. I'm sorry, I'm going to try this again. Okay, we all can relate. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll go back to Native American women when okay. pregnant become trees, while apples are present, becoming territorial of their home, when people like that try to roam onto their husband, the father of them, while saying if he doesn't succumb to this temptation, she will kill me and he needs to pay her once again. She got her ego bruised when my husband left them thinking how could this retarded woman even attempt to hold on to him? She's such a wimp, she's intimidated by me, 
Yeah, she drools at the mouth for my immense ego that can eat cow snout. Knowing, elites, loud, laughing, yearning, rolling over, overture, loving or trying to love, looking in my eye again, nicely dressed. Coming within, ass on her lips, refusing to give up death on my family tree, igloo heart afraid of me. Afraid because our love is true and not based on animal attraction, which by the way, we've gotten always have. We've conceived 10 and two remain. This kind of stress is bigger than any kind of game. Whether it's game for bachelor or two nip kids, I don't care what it is. We both wanted to stop, to just let us be, to try and remain a family tree full of apples with which we feed. And that's me for tonight. And I cannot wait to hear other people. Thank you so much for sharing. That was wonderful. Wow. I can tell you've been writing for a while and you've written a lot. Extremely. I have, I have 240 on my phone and then wow. like three okay. drawers of poems. I, I just been writing ever since 2000 and um, 2000. I wrote in college a little bit, but I wrote series. I found out that I had a gift that people noticed. I didn't know I had it until I was in a hospital and we had a writing group and everybody in the group was just like, you should really try and continue to write after you leave here. So I joined a place called the Gathering of the Tribes, which was a, um, a emerging artist program for people coming from Sarah Lawrence College and other colleges around here. And that's when I really started writing seriously. And that was like in 2008. Wow, yeah, that's wow. so good. And Antoinette, I think, was trying to say something to you as well. Mm. It's wonderful. It's a, uh, a wonderful. Good to listen to that. Have a good day. Can we hear you next week as well? You, I was here last week? Oh, next week. I said, wait to hear it again next week. That's wonderful. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I hope I can. I hope I can. I hope an email goes out reminding me of the group. Oh, yeah. Yes. yes. I'll do that. And Antoinette, I know you said you're going to listen tonight, um, but next week when you perform, do you perform poetry too or something different? I can't remember. Poetry, the same poetry as well. Poetry as well. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, man, I could listen to poetry and drink coffee all night long with y'all. This is so <laughs> yeah, cool. As well. As well. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go get, actually, you've made me crave a cup of coffee. So oh, okay. I'll be right back. I, okay. Talk okay. Okay. As the coffee lady. So. Okay, I'm gonna change mine up a little. I have so uh, so what I've been doing, you know, I have uh, last week I ended up sharing all this artwork I done that I hadn't even planned, just from drawing classes. I just kind of got my sketch pad and just start showing. Uh, but this week I thought I would share a little more. I only read one poem last week. Um, this is this folder is from my high school days. I graduated high school in 1992, and I wrote all these like love poems. I had this crush on my best friend, and it never worked out. And we're best friends for life, so I'm glad we never dated because it just wasn't meant to be. And uh, it's funny because I keep going back to these poems, right, Antoinette? Okay. But I've written all these new poems during the pandemic, but when it comes to open mic night, I keep finding myself going back to my old folder and wanting to share these old poems. So maybe I'll get my courage up next week to share some of my newer poetry that I've been writing these past few months. 
but I'm gonna change it up a little for this. So I'm gonna try something new with y'all for the first time. Okay. Uh, let me find it here. Uh, let's see. Okay. Mm, coffee, so, coffee, coffee. <laughs> I love coffee. Yes, um, coffee, taco, shallow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just for fun, before I begin my next uh, my poem, or it's kind of like a poem. It'll be a little different. Um, just for fun, let's share what our favorite coffee is. Mine is white chocolate mocha, hot. It's got to be hot coffee. I don't do ice. What about you? What's your favorite, Cheyenne? Uh, I I actually enjoy matcha lattes at um, Me Starbucks. Too. Me too. You too? Is that your favorite, Antoinette? Okay, okay, okay. Yes, for sure. Okay. And in the summer, I like matcha, um, matcha uh, shakes, you know, the shakes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are good actually. I, I always go back to white chocolate mocha, my absolute favorite, but there's, I could drink any type of coffee, any flavor, any day, but that's just my absolute favorite of all. Um, and then of course holidays, holidays, I do all the holiday coffees. <laughs> Pumpkin, peppermint. So fun, so fun. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I do have a couple of just like mini poems that I'm going to read after I read this, just this top part. I don't know if y'all can see it. It says Edna Gladney Home, Paternity Program. This is from my adoption agency. I'm adopted. 1974 was the year I was born adopted. And I want to read just like this first paragraph because it was, this are forms that my birth mom actually filled out when she arrived to the adoption agency, even birth mother's home where she lived till she gave me up. And I do know her, by the way, I've always asked that. So just, yes, I'll ask, I'll just go ahead and say it. <laughs> I've been blessed to know my entire birth family since age 24 and I'm 46 now. So, all right, uh, here we go. Uh, says another form, but this one is really important. You see, we want every baby to get parents as nearly as perfect as possible for him or her. The only way we can do this is for you to be as complete, specific, and descriptive as you can in filling out this form. And if you need more space, you may use the back of these pages. And if you have any pictures of your mother and father, any of the other people mentioned, we would like for you to share them with us. We will return them, of course. One picture is worth a thousand words. If there's anything you don't understand about this form or need help at filling out, please feel free to go over it with your social worker. Be assured that all information you give us will be held strictly confidential. Please help us to help your baby. So both of my parents that adopted raised me died 2008, sadly, from MRSA staph infection. And uh, these are the two poems that I wrote about those two parents that those forms led me to being raised by. And the first one's called My Mother, and I called them Mama and Papa. Uh, my Mother. Her eyes are so soft, she stares with a glare. Often I wonder, is that my mother who stands over there? She looks and acts so young. Her charms are filled with grace. Without my mother, my mama, home wouldn't be a place. My father. A father like mine is one of a kind. He smiles with ease and loves to tease. When I'm feeling down, Papa always comes around. With him, I always feel like a clown, always filled with joy and love. It's my father that I'm thinking of. The end. <laughs> oh, that's so beautiful. I was adopted too. 
Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. Awesome. wow. Isn't that something? I'm telling you, I always say I'm like a magnet. I always end up somehow attracting other adoptees into my life, which I love. I love forming friendships with everyone, but that's just, that's so special. Like I've known some people, like this one lady, her name's Pam. I was friends with her for several years. And then one day she told me, she's like, you know, I'm adopted, right? And I was like, nope, never knew, never told me. And we were like really good friends. It was crazy. It's just crazy. That's my birth mother's name, Pam. Oh, I mean, wow. Wow. Okay, mother. this is getting crazy. <laughs> my adopted mother. My adopted mother. Adopted mother. Okay, gotcha. She's my sister. She's my sister. Oh, and my wow. brother-in-law. And they completely effed me up. You know, they oh. were nothing like your parents. Nothing like your I'm parents. I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Wow. But I thought that was so beautiful. That was such a beautiful uh, way to remember them, you know? Yeah, I just thought I would try something different. I normally just read my poems, but I thought, you know, I keep, I actually keep, I'll show y'all real quick here in case you're interested. <laughs> I, I keep this in my same book. I was telling you Toinette, Cheyenne, that this, okay, so this is my folder, right? It, I've had it since high school. I graduated high school in 1992, I'm age 46. This is my book of poems from back then. I've been writing new poems during the pandemic, but I keep coming back to this old folder. And not only is it my poetry from high school written about my ex, uh, or not ex, we never dated, my best friend that never dated me, that had a crush on and we've been best friends for life because we didn't date, thank goodness. And <laughs> my brother Blake, and he calls me Sister Shell. But inside the folder is all of this to get ready. So this says our baby. Oh, that's and then this has the actual like general description of my birth parents, like what they look like. So I always, this is all I had from until I got reunited with them. So like it has their like description, like my father you know, was tall, you know, short, like their height, their hair color, uh, all that. It has the name of the hospital I was born, the time, I actually know the time of the day I was born, 29 p.m. <laughs> July 74, um, hospital, all that. hospital, by the way, is no longer in existence. I never got to see the hospital. And then this, this came along with that. This is all the papers, it's photocopies of the papers that my birth mom filled out that I was reading part of. All the questionnaire, all the different like family members, their ages, all that. But what happened of course is they, you know, marked out the names and stuff, the confidential information part. So I just knew general info. But it was pretty cool to actually have something like this for myself since high school. So, when did you find out you were adopted? I mean, really, my parents always told me. I mean, I, I remember the day specifically. I was in third grade. My dad was driving me to school. And I always love this story. My dad was driving me to school. Hey, Shell, guess I'm going to tell you. You're really special. You're one of a kind. You're adopted. I'm, I'm awesome. I'm, I'm unique. I went to school that day thinking I was the coolest kid in the world. No <laughs> like I was such a brat that day, y'all. <laughs> and I always joke because I'm also a comedian and I always joke because this really is how I feel. Since I became a United Adoptee, I've been more humble than ever because like I really thought I was special and unique because no one looked like me. And then when I got reunited, I'm like, I look like everybody. <laughs> There's nothing, I don't stand out. There's nothing special about me anymore. I'm so humbled from it. <laughs> oh, but it's a good humility, you know, it's good. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll read a couple more poems. They're not 
very long, but let's see. How about mm, try to find one here? Oh, I love this one. This one's about my, now. This was my adoptive mom's mom, my grandmother that lived to 100 years old, and I had uh, to miss her funeral. It was awful. I should have gone to her funeral. One of my biggest regrets. I was in high school at the time. I think it was like 10th grade, and you know I was in like flag corps and band, all that. Oh, I had UIL and her funeral was on the same day as UIL. So if I had backed out, then they were gonna have to relearn this whole routine. And so I felt like I had to go to UIL and I really should have gone to her funeral. It was a big mistake. She was an amazing woman. And I wrote this poem and uh, her, I called her Grammy. We all called her Grammy. Like she had this amazing house in Waco, Texas, where we all spent all holidays, birthdays, everything together. Sundays after church, every Sunday lunch, I mean, just the most amazing memories with this woman. I loved her so much. I miss her so much. 100 years old. Pretty cool. Uh, great life. Okay, so Grammy. Grammy, a wonderful lady. A lady so wonderful, so neat. A pleasure it was for me to have known her. She has left the earth but remains in my heart. I know that God decided it was time for her to come home. We all miss her. I'm not alone. She talked for hours and never wanted to quit always ready to give and receive a hug and a kiss these things i especially miss not often did i see her yet the times i spent with grammy i still remember a lady who was so sweet and so neat sometimes i wonder i remember a time when i asked god for grammy to be able to live until she was at least 100 years old a wish came true but it was kind of blue time wore her out each day before she ate, she would pray. I recall her asking the Lord to please take her home. She wanted to be with her husband. Up in the beautiful sky was her destiny. Now when I look up, I know that Grammy is overwatching my family. <laughs> my grandmother died um, two years ago in October, like oh. 10 days before her birthday, mm -hmm. like October 4th. And... Um, you know, she left me some money because she had like a $2 million life insurance plan. Mm -hmm. I didn't know about it after. And um, my, my, fam my family, I, I have so much to learn about who is my mom. It could be my, I came from a family of celebrities. Um, John Wayne, Rosalind Russell, Cher, wow. uh, uh, there was also James Taylor involved, my stepdad, um, uh, Miss Teenage San Antonio, uh, you know, like all these Tom Cruise, you know, I mean, like just crazy people that are yeah. related to me somehow. Wow. And so I'm having a feeling that Cher is my mother. I look a lot like Cher in person. Um, and I'm having a feeling that Cher and Michael are my parents. And, um, my husband shares one of those parents. We are half brother and half sister. And that's really creepy, I know, but that's yeah. how it ended up. And you know, Isn't that and weird? Like, because I wonder about that because my husband, I'll see if I can find the picture. I, I have one of my stand-up comedy acts is about this. I want to see if I can find the picture. This is really weird because my... um. So I met my husband before I met my birth family. You know, we dated for several years. So he was actually dating me, I don't know, five years into when we 
you know, met my birth family. And there's this picture that always stands out. I don't know if you'll agree or not, but every time someone sees this picture, they always say, oh my gosh, Shell, you could have married your birth brother because they seem so similar. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? So I could see how that actually can happen as an adoption. Yeah, and he's, he's Chinese, my husband. That's crazy. So what happened is in Vietnam, Michael slept with a, uh, and I don't know if it's Korean War or Vietnam War or what, but slept with a North Korean or a South Korean or a Vietnamese woman. Mm -hmm. I don't know what, you know, we don't talk about it. It's too painful for both of us, you know, wow. that we didn't know our father. We, that we, we were our father's firstborn and he had more children after that. Mm. And, um, he, he always, I was taken from him when I was three because he was part black and he had an affair with Cher. Wow. And Cher got pregnant at 16, but she's the one who pressured him to have an affair with her. Mm. And it might not have been Cher, it might have been Pam. I'm not sure. I don't know the details. All I know is that he was killed mm. because he was black mm -hmm. and he was a slave in my family's house in the 70s. Wow. Yeah. That's my dad. Wow. Oof. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. you got I, soul I, I don't know the mom, but I know the dad. You know, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. he left me many clues in his music. Many clues. Wow. Many clues in his music. Yeah. So I don't mean to monopolize the time, but I'm just no, no, no. Right that's deep. I am. That's very deep, and I'm right a doctor, so I do understand. <laughs> there's like, there's a. I mean, as a human, you always have that desire not to just to create but to, to find answers. And then when you're like, like your story, Shay, and her like, why are we going to adopt you? Like, and Antoinette, you probably relate to as a human in some way or another. I'm not sure your experience, but you know, like whether you're adopted or, or have a long lost loved one in some way or another, you, you always are seeking answers. Even now, even now, like I, I was asked to do a DNA test and I almost refused. It took me two years to finally say yes. When the pandemic began is why I chose to do it, change my mind. Cause I was like, okay, life's too short. We're in a pandemic now. Fine. I'll do it. I kept saying no, because I was like, I already know all my birth family. I know all the answers. Why would I want to do a DNA test? Am I going to get confused? And that's exactly what happened. I found out about more long lost family I didn't know about and I knew it was going to be complicated and I had to be ready for that. So I, I really do hear you Cheyenne. That is, that is deep. I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Wow. What do you want to say to Annette? I agree. That was deep. And I agree with you at the same way. Just think of different things that are different than life, but everybody's different. Life is different, especially now. Mm-hmm. True. I have the I have the shortest poem in the world about my family. Would you like to share before we go? We can end two lines. on that it's point. Two line. It's two lines. Oh, it's just two lines. Perfect. <laughs> okay. My family was the most racist family I have ever known. Hmm. They had slaves. Wow. Yep. Very profound. Mm. And so then I wrote one know. for Jewish because. My dad is 100% British Jewish. Mm -hmm. Not not my dad, but my brother, mm -hmm. who stood in as my dad. 
after right. Michael died. Um, <clears throat> so I wouldn't question why Michael was murdered and they wouldn't have to go to jail, but they're going to jail unless they're dead. But uh, anyway, I, I, don't, I forgot what I was saying, but uh, basically uh, I just really relate. I needed the script tonight, this, this poetry group. And I mean, I just needed to hear what you were saying. Wow. Because uh, I, I lost my son over the oh, weekend. Someone, he was murdered. Oh, oh sorry. did you hear about the two oh. babies in the Bronx that I doubt you did. You're not in New York, but there were two oh. babies found in the Bronx. My baby, my twins are in foster care. Oh. The news said they were infants. But when I visited my son the next Wednesday at the foster care agency, he looked me dead in the eye and said, mommy, I almost went to heaven. Oh. And that, and when I saw the news, because I get fake news, because I have a diagnosis of mental health. And when I saw the news with the helicopter hovering around and them saying two, two babies were dead, mm. I knew they were lying about the age. Oh and I knew they were lying about the location, because I'm sure they put it outside my garbage can so I would get framed. Oh. But he's been, a ped oh. he's been a victim of pedophilia ever since he's been in foster care. Mm. And then his testicles retracted, one of them. And so we have to take him to the urologist in December with the foster mom, and he's gonna be evidence. So they killed him. And they tried to kill the other one, but he survived. Oh, so gosh. don't be sorry for me, because I'm gonna be okay. Yeah. Be sorry for that baby. Uh, that baby you know. went through hell for three years, only to end up dead. And his, and his brother, his brother had to watch it all. Oh, those poor babies. So I don't know what's going to happen. There's no way I know. I don't know if there's going to be a lawsuit. I don't want money. I, want, I don't want money from the city. I want money from every human being who knew this happened mm -hmm. and did not call the police. Every social worker I told, every psychiatrist I told, every member of a hospital I told before they sent my daughter to live with those crazy people. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I'm just sorry. I've been going be through a lot. That's why I'm on you can let it out. No, don't be sorry. We're humans. It's, 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 we're, we should be here for each other. Don't, don't be sorry. Mm. I wish we had more time, but you have to go. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I wish I didn't have to go, but, but I'll be here next week. Sign up and come back, okay? And, and you know, I have one. I have one at ten o'clock that I'm just gonna try and listen to. Yeah, you know? that's good. The reading makes me so vulnerable sometimes. You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah, I, I write my bones down, my heart down, and when I read it, it leaves me with pain. Mm -hmm. You know, when I write it, it doesn't, but when I share it, mm -hmm. and that's why I wrote the the poem about poetry lamenting, mm -hmm. because everybody said you're so heavy. Stop. Even the guy at the workshop at Niapers, you know, the mental health workshop, try and write about something besides trauma. All I've known since one years old is trauma. Yeah. How am I supposed to write about anything else? And no. I tried one time and it was cheesy as hell. <laughs> and my <laughs> husband said, don't write about that again. <laughs> He's my husband. 
So he said, don't write about that again. <laughs> no, follow your heart. Do what's good for you. And that's what works and for you. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank of you. Course. Thank you. And Antoinette, too. Antoinette, I can't wait to hear your poetry next week. I can't either. Break. I'm going to join this group. And you're yeah, definitely. The sign-up link's already on there for next week. So definitely sign up, y'all. And, and I'll, we'll see y'all next week, okay? Definitely. We'll have a wonderful evening. You too. Thank God you. bless both of you. You too. Thank you, Antoinette. Thank you, Cheyenne. Yeah. Take care of yourselves. I'll see you on Thursday next week. Thanks. And again, that was Coffee Talk with Shell, where there's always variety in life. That was our open mic night segment on November 12th. And I hope y'all will go to eventbrite.com, find Coffee Talk with Shell. Don't forget Shell spelled C-H-E-L-L-E and find the open mic and other classes I'm hosting uh, on Zoom like this. So on YouTube, or if you're listening on the audio version of the podcast, then yeah, we do video too. All right, good night and prayers, love and peace. This is Shell signing off. Spread love, y'all. Take care of each other. Bye.